this podcast. I have bad words because my daddy says words like s, and other bad words too much. Listener description is advice. Talks Podcast, a podcast for dads where dads talk about life, kids, and stuff. We are your hosts. Galan. Joe. And I am John. And returning this week, Joe. Yes, I, I am back. Two. Yes. Yeah, part two. Part Joe, two you've returned me. again. No, yeah, yeah. Return Rehydrated. Of, return of the Joe. Return of the Joe. Return of the Joe. No. I'm, of course, uh, talking about our special guest, Jonathan Hort. Yes, that's who right. Who has returned. Welcome back, Jonathan. Thank I you. I honestly didn't think I was cool enough to come back. No. So, <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it. It was, it, was, it was touch and go for a while. <laughs> we, we were talking about it, but our other guest canceled, and yeah. now you're here anyway. Uh, you know, so I'm glad not? I can fill in. Right. No, no. <laughs> Actually, this is awesome, and last episode was, was really cool, and so thank you for sticking around. Yeah, I appreciate around. you guys. Yeah. yeah. So this week with Mr. Horton, we're going to be talking about his transition from Olympics to Ninja Warrior, how... Olympics and Ninja Warrior training have influenced his parenting and what his kids are up to. So you'll have to check that out after the jump. Right after this. Yes. So American Ninja Warrior. No, what if we just did that? Uh, that's a terrible first question. Actually, you know what we should hit you with, Jonathan, because you you have you said you're you're a father of two, four year old and a two year old. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes a good dad? Oh, wow, loaded question. Yes. Yeah, this is our easy one. This is, our easy this is the easiest Softball. question we'll yeah. ask you. It no. depend. It depends on uh, what makes you a good dad to a son. What makes you good a good dad to a daughter? Two totally different things. Okay, interesting. So hit us with it. I, I don't know the answer, really. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm a good dad or not. Oh, gotcha. So, uh, you know what? So, for my son, um, you know, it for boys, it's like be the dad that takes them and, like, does crazy things with them. You know, boys have so much energy, and they want to do, like, crazy things and have fun. You know, my son, okay, this is going to sound ridiculous. I hope it doesn't come out wrong. But every single night, he's like, hey, dad, let's play the push-down game. Okay, so, the push-down game is on our bed. He wants me to literally shove him down as hard as I can into the bed. My daughter likes to play that game. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like body slam me. Yeah. <laughs> and so I one time, like a few years back, he's probably two years old, I was like playing with him and we were like wrestling and I picked him up and I pretended like I was like body slamming him. Yeah, yeah. And ever since then, every night he's like, Daddy, let's play the push down game. And it's become extremely violent over the past couple of years. So, but no, he loves it and he like jumps on me and tackles me and we like roll around on the grass outside and we go and we just do crazy things. Now my daughter, what makes me a good dad to her is like, she's two and she comes up to me and you know, I used to say, oh, her name's Addie. I say, Addie, you want me to hold you? And so now in her head, she comes up to me and she puts her arms up and says, daddy, hold you. And I'm like, well, you can try to hold me My if you want. Yeah, so she's, like, <laughs> she's like, hold you. And hold like, you. Oh, sure. And yeah. one time I was like, all right. So well, my daughter literally just wants me to hold her all day and walk around and, like, play. Like, it's, it's crazy how much different boys and girls are. Like, she wants to carry her little babies and her dolls and her stuffed animals. And I'm like, wow. Like, my son has never one time wanted to do that. And so 
you know, I just have to be sweet and loving on her, and that's what she wants. And I tried the push down game with her one time, and she lost it. She started crying. <laughs> and uh, so, like, you know, so, uh, yeah, it just, you know, you just have to be different with them. And my wife is always like, you're so much different with our daughter. And I'm like, I have to be. She's like, she gets away with everything. I'm like, yeah, but look how cute she is. <laughs> so, yeah. so, of course they get yeah. away with everything. So, like, they just look at you. And I don't know. Yeah. You know, I think, in all seriousness, I think the most important aspect of being a good parent is consistency. Mm. If you are consistent with how you discipline your kids, you don't you don't let them get away with one thing once and then, you know, let them get away with it another time. They just get confused and they never know. Yeah. You know, be consistent across the board with with just how you treat them. Um, I, I think discipline's a big one. You know, you don't want to be really hard on your kid at one point and then really light on them another time. Also, I think husband and wife or whatever dynamic of family you have, you have to be on the same page sure. with one yes. another. Yeah. You, like, my wife and I, we talk all the time. Like, hey, if this happens, how are you going to handle it versus how am I going to handle it? Because you don't want your kids to come up to you and be like, you know, Dad, I want to hang out with you more because you let me have whatever I want. Sure. And then Mom is over here being the hard one, you know. So right. be on the same page. Yeah. And so your kids really know what the expectations are for the two of them. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's like my, my father um, has had kids with multiple uh, women. But one of the things he said with his the, the two youngest kids, my two youngest brother and sister, is he wanted to be consistent with his ex-wife. So that way they could the kids couldn't play each other, the, the parents against each other. And that's the thing is like, and I think that, that that's where he grew as a father as being, you know what, I'm going to be on the same page as your mom, even though she's opposition in, in certain aspects. And I think that's huge of like making sure as parents, whether you're together or working as a, a separate team to ha always have that consistency. That way they can't say, well, dad lets me have ice cream at midnight with sprinkles and like drowned in Dr. Pepper. <laughs> that sounds amazing. That sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's a really good point. Breakfast yeah. of Olympic champions right there. No. <laughs> hey, <laughs> no, just speaking of that, so a uh, funny story. You just have to tell it. One of the greatest Olympians is Usain Bolt, fastest man yes. in the world, right? Yes. So at the Olympics, in the Olympic Village, there is a cafeteria probably the size of like two football fields. And, wow. I mean, it's massive because sure. all the, the thousands of Olympians that come from all over the world, and there's every type of food you can imagine. There's, you know, American-style food, which is – American style food, trust me, like burgers and stuff like that. Right. And then there's Italian food, there's Chinese food, there's everything. And then there's a McDonald's. Of course. Inside the Olympic <laughs> Village. It's international. It's international. And, so, <laughs> and I promise you, I swear, I watched Usain Bolt every single day of the Olympic Games go to McDonald's and get chicken nuggets. Like, <laughs> like that's how you become the fastest man in the world. Now we know. Chicken nuggets the and a Coke. Like, I was like, what is happening? That, that is not the normal diet you would think of, of an elite athlete right. like that, where it's just. That's Usain. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's not the dad joke section. Is it the section. dad joke section? No, right? not no. Yet. But wow. it might as oh, well be. You just it jumped might, the gun. It might, might as well be. Oh, man. That's, That's awesome. Funny. Okay, so we, we talked a little bit uh, last episode about. Really, a, an injury in gymnastics led you down this path where you end up getting involved with American Ninja Warrior. Um, do they still call it American Ninja Warrior? Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Well, cool. or A and W. So, oh, okay, okay. It's American so, Ninja. No. American. So what? What was it? What? <laughs> how did that opportunity come about for you, or how did it uh, in, get on your radar to make you think like, oh, I, I want to go do that? So it was actually, you know, I've been a fan of the show for a while, and my first season was two thousand. Oh, what year was I? 2013, I think. Wow. And so I was just a big fan, and I applied. And all you have to do to get on the show is just go to the website, 
when applications are available and fill out a ton of paperwork and sign your life away in case you die on the show. Sure. Yep. And so uh, then, <laughs> yeah. So then you have to make a three-minute video about yourself, why you deserve to be on the show. And so I did that, and they called me, and they were like, hey, we'd love for you to be on the show. Really cool to have an Olympian. Sure. So me being an Olympian, I was a little bit cocky, and to be honest. And I was like, Pff, I'm going to go win this show first time. Like, I'll be honest. Watching the show before I knew anything about it, I went, I feel like an Olympic gymnast would do really well on this show. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, man. It, at the time, it was a half a million dollar prize if you win. Now it's a million dollars. And you know, in 10 seasons, well, nine seasons, only one person has ever completed all six stages of the show and won the million. Wow. And so I'm sitting here going, it's going to be me. Like, this is going to happen. <laughs> so I get on the show, and you know, I, um, I start out. I'm feeling pretty good, and I did a few things to try to show off while I, while I was out there on the course, which I shouldn't have done. And I started gassing out. And I get to the fifth obstacle, and there's only six ob- obstacles you know, in the course. And I'm on this thing called the ring toss. And here's what's ironic. At the time, I was the seventh best gymnast in the entire planet on the rings. In gymnastics. Wow. So I'm on this obstacle called the ring toss. Which halfway should be a, through it. right up your forte. Halfway through it, I'm like, oh You my. know, as people say, yeah. right, yeah. right <laughs> up your forte. <laughs> right up, right up your Anyways, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Right. yeah. I, I'm lost. <laughs> Anyways, no, but uh, so I'm halfway through this obstacle, and I'm like, oh, man, I am exhausted. I cannot fall here. And a couple seconds later, I find myself in the water, and I'm like, what just happened? And so I was quickly humbled by the show, by the sport, and it really is an incredibly difficult, very competitive sport. And it's so much fun. I'm going on to my, you know, my fourth season on the show now, season 10. I've actually started training specifically for Ninja Warrior, but the biggest thing it's done for me is it's kept me feeling like I'm an athlete. You know, I don't do gymnastics sure. anymore. I'm retired. This is like my competitive outlet. And for what I do for a living as a motivational speaker, it keeps me kind of relevant in the sports world. Sure. And, uh, yeah, there's just so many things. Like the community of people, the, you know, NBC is actually amazing with working with them. And also USA Network because they, they do Ninja versus Ninja, another branch of the show. Yes, which you were just recently on. Yeah, yeah, I was just on Ninja versus Ninja. So uh, my team was three Olympians. Yeah, that's oh, right, that's with cool. uh, Paul Hahn. Paul Hahn and uh, April Bennett. That's She's right. an Olympic pole vaulter. That's right. And so, yeah, it's just like so many cool opportunities from Ninja Warrior that have come about. And really, anybody can do it. If you've got a cool story to tell and you, you're an athlete, you try to stay in shape, I think they have like 100,000 people that apply for the show a year. That's crazy. It's insane. Yeah, it's, it's one of the most popular shows on TV. And you yeah. got pretty close last year to come into, to go into Vegas, if yeah, I remember Yeah, so <laughs> I, uh, I'm probably – I'm known as, like, the best ninja that's never done anything good on the show. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> like everybody knows, like, I'm, I'm fully capable and right. very good at what I do. But I keep making mistakes in the city finals every single year. Yep. And so one year I got, fi- or I got 16th. They take 15 from the city finals to go to the Las Vegas finals. Right. I got 16th one year. I got 17th one year. And I just keep making these dumb mistakes. Like, last year, again, another ironic story. Um, I could, would consider myself somewhat of an expert on a trampoline. My coaches yeah. used to make us jump on trampoline for like an hour a day. And it just teaches you body awareness and how to flip and twist. And so last year they had this obstacle called the hourglass drop where you go up this oh, thing called yeah. the salmon ladder. <laughs> you go up the salmon yeah. ladder, and then you hang on a bar, you drop onto a trampoline, you shoot back up and catch this board. 
I, my legs buckled under me on the trampoline. Oh, did you hit <laughs> in the wrong spot? Or? I, no, I don't know. I, I've watched it a few times. I just like am embarrassed to even watch how ridiculous I look as my head whips back and I go into the water. <laughs> so you get Matt Eisman. No, no. I, yeah, like I can't believe the U.S. Olympian. <laughs> right. Wow, he should be embarrassed. No, he didn't say that, <laughs> no. but he should have. <laughs> but um, I yeah, think, I think I remember that. I yeah. do. I do remember that. No, we've got. We've actually got a question. Um, somebody actually hashtag detox and asked to. Wanted to ask you a question. So we've got this from um, Janie Thompson at J-A-I-N-I and two cats. Uh, okay. Her question was, as an athlete, what was the hardest part of switching from gymnastics to Ninja Warrior full time? That's a good question. So the toughest part is n- you can get into the best shape you can possibly get in mm-hmm. for Ninja Warrior and still make a mistake because you have no idea what you're up against. Right. And it's so much different than gymnastics because we train for years and years and years, do the same routines over and over and over again. And when you step up to, you know, like a high bar routine at the Olympic Games, your heart's pounding a million miles an hour, but you've done the routine four billion times. Right. You, you know, you got a lot of adrenaline and you're nervous, but you know what you're doing. Right. Um, and sometimes people make mistakes at the Olympics, but, you know, you make a mistake and it's it's a little bit more rare I guess because you, you really shouldn't at the Olympics but Ninja Warrior they don't let us touch the course we run the course in the middle of the night because if you've ever watched the show it's never light outside right as soon as the sun goes down around 9 p.m. they start filming until about 6 a.m. Oh, wow. yeah it's crazy do you so do you see the course at all they barely let you look at it they're like, yeah, turn around. Don't look at the course. And like, so, <laughs> yeah, so is so. there an advantage to running later? Do you get to watch people that have run it You previously? get to watch a few people. Okay. And so you kind of get to learn what we call the beta. You know, how did someone run right. the course? Yeah. And so um, that's been the most challenging thing for me is in gymnastics, when I'm first learning a new routine, I'm kind of tentative. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, ah, I don't know if this is going to work. This is a little scary. But then uh, you figure it out and you become a very aggressive athlete with that routine as you get comfortable. Well, in Ninja, there's no time to be tentative as you're trying to figure it out. You have to be aggressive from the get-go. Right. And that's kind of, you know, bit me in the butt in the last few years. Like, I step up to the starting line, and I go, and I'm like, ugh. Like, I'm really – I kind of hold back. So this, you know, this time around, you know, for the next, you know, few years that I compete, for however long I compete, I'm trying to teach myself. To, although I don't know what to expect, I'm just going to go. Like, I'm going to attack yeah. full force. Right. Well, it, it, there's a there's a video that, of you online, and, and this will kind of tie into parenting too, um, where you talk about the pursuit of perse- uh, perfection. Uh, and with American Ninja Warrior, it's hard to I would say it's hard to get that perfection because they're always it's always a new twist mm-hmm. or, or, or course, a new yeah. yeah the evolution of the course. And there are just these sometimes these obstacles that you're just like holy crap like how are these athletes going to figure that out? Um, how is your attitude with that pursuit of perfection done Ninja Warrior? And then as an extension on that. How has that affected your parenting with your with your kids? Yeah, so, I mean, in terms of the pursuit of perfection that I had as a gymnast, I've had to pretty much eliminate it in Ninja Warrior. Like, it's much more of like a just go all out, have some fun, and just be, you know, like I said, be aggressive on the course. You know, if you try to be too perfect or try to time things right, you, you tend to make mistakes. Sure. So it's just, it's really as much, the similarities between the two sports are it's, you're using your body. It's a calisthenic sport. Right. But really, in terms of how to compete, totally different. You know, the way you go about it, you know, mentally. Um, and, you know, you know, to answer the second part of your question, I don't really know, you know, how that changes my parenting other than 
you know, maybe just as you're helping your kids out along the way, just to help them understand that there's always more than one way to do something and be successful, you know? And so, you know, I, uh, you know, my kids, regardless of what they do one day, I'm going to have to adapt and evolve and learn with them as they try new things instead of trying to pretend like I already know how to do it all myself. And I think that's important as a parent to, you know, if my daughter decides to be a dancer or if my son wants to go and play baseball or if, even my, if my son wants to be a dancer or learn how right. to play an instrument, I don't know how to do those things. Right. I'm not going to be a sideline coach and teacher. Right. You know, I didn't know how to do Ninja Warrior in the beginning. I'm now figuring it out. You know, I don't know how to teach my kids how to do certain things. So I'm just going to I'm going to learn along the way and yeah. be open minded. What I what I'm curious about, and this is something that kind of came up, <clears throat> being a Olympic athlete and a Ninja Warrior competitor and a motivational speaker, you're, you're someone that's kind of in and out of the public eye, so to speak, every now and then, depending on yeah. w- what's going on. Do you find that people are hi- like hit you up for free advice or, or try and I guess how do you deal with the day to day with people interacting with you? Like, do they expect something from you? Do they have this idea of who you are? Or is it more of they know this is who Jonathan is, this is the kind of guy he is? And, like, I guess, how do people can deal with that with, like, your kid's school or, or just regular athletics and day-to-day? Yeah, you know, um, most of the people that are really close to me know that I'm a, I'm a giver. I like to give to people. Mm-hmm. I, I really believe that – so Zig Ziglar, and we all know yes. who Zig Ziglar yes, is. He yes. one time said – it's not word for word, but basically help enough other people get what they want. You will in return get what you want in life. Yeah. And I kind of live by that. I, I really believe in giving to people. I always hand out my phone number or my email address. I want people to come to me. Um, there are, unfortunately, people in the world that try to take advantage of you right. for you know people that are in the spotlight or try to hit you up for money or different things. But you know, overall, the people that are closest to me and the people that I surround myself with, they know they can come to me. And my wife is the same. And you know, we just try to stay, stay grounded in that idea of put other people first. And I think it's really important. It's something that I want my kids to learn as well. Right. You know, to stop thinking about yourself and what you want and all these material possessions and think about other people first. And in the process, I promise you'll get all those other things along the way. Right. You know, it's okay to have, you know, to want to make money and to want these, all, these material possessions. But I do think it's important that always, you know, think of others before yourself. Right. That's key because there, especially in today's society, there's a lot of, me culture Mm -hmm. you know like look at me look what i'm doing that kind of a thing and and it's that's a good reminder of just you know give back yeah constantly be giving back to your fellow man to kind of make the world better i mean that's in essence kind of what you want to do as a society i have a follow-up question to that because because when when you're talking about giving back and, and people sort of that that help make you who you are uh obviously i'm sure you probably had several important coaches in your life um, uh, throughout your career. And I wonder, one, um, how important have coaches have coaches been in your life? And then, two, do you do you feel like it's important anyone – what are your thoughts about anyone that, that maybe is not an athlete, but anyone that might be trying to, in a, a certain area of their life, reach a certain level of greatness or success? Uh, how important is it that that person finds a coach or finds those mentors and, yeah. and those people to support them get on their way to that? Well, to answer the second part first, I th- it's extremely important. I think it's really important for a few reasons. The first one is just somebody to hold you accountable. You know, you say you're going to do something. Uh, have somebody that reminds you that you said you were going to do that. Right. 
And I, for me, you know, my coaches, you know, I said from the time I was a little kid, I want to be an Olympian. And so they, you know, there's always this time where we always set little goals. Okay, this year we're going to accomplish this. Today we're going to do this. And in the long run, you know, the vision is the Olympic Games. My coaches always held me accountable to the little goals that we set. And sometimes we met them, sometimes we didn't. And you just kind of keep moving forward. But, yeah, I had some amazing coaches. I was very, very lucky. I started with uh, my first coach ever was actually a two-time Olympian named Jim Colhane. Oh, wow. And he opened up a gym in Houston, Texas. And I trained there for a little bit. And then I went to another gym where I met my coach that I still have to this day, that I that I still speak with and talk with all the time. He's basically my second dad. His name's Tom Meadows. And it's so crazy. Tom started coaching me when he was only 21 years old. He's 13 years older than me. And he was an elite-level gymnast himself. And we went to the Olympics together. But also my collegiate coach, Mark Williams, was just an amazing guy that always was there. He supported me. He coached me for five years. And I feel like I was very, very lucky to have – you know, some amazing people that mentored me and held me accountable to things and pushed me. Um, I think, you know, we, we talked, you know, last week about our parents nudging us, you know, to, 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 you know, encourage us a little bit. I think it's important for a coach to sometimes kind of get in your face and be like, dude, what do you want? Are, are, do you want to do this or do you not want to do it? And so a lot of times my coaches, you know, as times got tough, they it really reminded me, like, how bad do you want this? Do you want to go through this sacrifice and this pain, or do you not? And, you know, I think it's important for coaches, mentors, to figure out what makes someone tick. And if you can figure that out, if you really, like, reach into a person's soul and, and study that person, I think that's what makes a great mentor or coach. Right. Figure it out, like, okay, like, I have to treat this person one way, this person another way. I You know, I can push him, I can't push him. You know, if I push him, he'll burn out and quit. So, you know... Um, you know, I, I had gr great people that helped me with that. I do think it's very important whether you're an athlete or not, you know, dig into uh, personal development books, read a lot of books, like find out what makes other people successful. I do a lot of reading myself. And if you can like seek out like a mentor, go, um, you know, something that I've done in the past just to meet new people, go to a networking event yeah. and try to meet business owners and go find someone that you can interact with. I actually was talking to a couple gentlemen the other night. At a Chili's. And I, I overheard them talking about how they wanted to start a business. And this one guy was like, well, why do we want to start a business? You know, what's our reason? And they started writing all this stuff down. I kind of chimed in. I was like, hey, this is a really cool conversation you guys are having. And we basically started talking about this. Hey, you know, go reach out. Go see what other people have done, how they've been successful to start a business just like yours. You know, you know what's amazing that we have today that we didn't have 20 years ago? Google. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like you can Google or YouTube anything and learn so much. So I just I'm a big believer in studying and researching and reaching out and be be okay with asking a favor. Yep. Go go ask meet people and ask a favor. Hey, can you help me? And so I, I you know again long winded answer to a short question, but <laughs> um, yeah, it's extremely important to find people in your life that can show you the way. Right on, right on. Uh, I, I was wondering if we step back to the the topic of fatherhood again. Where where in your career, obviously your son's four now. Um, where in your career did you become a father? Is this is this post uh, injury that, that yeah? So ended up becoming a father. Yeah, uh, in 2012, right after the Olympics was over, I ended up having my first. Well, I, in 2011, I destroyed my foot, had three surgeries, but I was able oh, to come wow. back from that and make the 2012 Olympics. After that Olympics, my shoulder, my right shoulder was just killing me. And um, 
you know, I was in a ton of pain. I ended up having major reconstructive shoulder surgery. And um, right after that, as soon as I started, like, training again, my son was born. Okay. And so I trained from 2013 to 2016 trying to make another Olympics with my son. And then in 2016, that's when I had my other shoulder surgery and my daughter was born. So actually for the first, like, gotcha. six months of my daughter's life, I couldn't even hold her. Oh, which wow. yeah wasn't cool at all yeah um it's really hard on my wife i like couldn't really relieve her from like the stress of mm-hmm. you know motherhood and yeah those of us that have kids yeah. we know like especially it's a, already that's a big deal it's a two-person job yeah it really is yeah. it is hard yeah. being a parent is hard yeah especially when they're newborn and they're waking up every you know two three hours yeah. it's Jeez. tough so yeah it was hard on my wife you know she was basically like a single parent while i'm in a sling on pain medication and I'm like hurting, you know, for right. a while. So that was tough. And then, uh, yeah, so you know, we're done. No more kids. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. Two's yeah. good. Two's yeah, two's good. good. Uh, so, so Galan asked a, l- a little bit earlier, sort of, do you, do you feel like, um, your career has had, has changed your perspective or, or give equipped you with certain skills for be- being a parent or how that's affected your parenting. I, I'm curious about the, the other way around. How did becoming a dad, change your perspective on your career do you think do you think it did yeah no it, it totally did because I I wasn't I was thinking about it's, it's, it's weird because I, while I was competing my son got to see me compete a couple times you know he's only like two and a half maybe three years old but instead of being out there trying to accomplish this big goal on my own behalf I was like man this would be really cool for my little boy to see daddy do something special and uh, so that definitely changed my mindset and how I was going about doing things. And now, you know, now that I'm doing Ninja Warrior, he's like my biggest fan. That's and awesome. yeah, he'll stand off to the side and be like, go, daddy. And it's so funny. Last year, I fell in the water. And when I got out, he's like, dad, why'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I don't know. For literally for the last year, I'm pretty sure every single day of the last year, he's like, hey, dad. You're not going to fall in the water this year, are you? I'm like, hey, dude, will you stop reminding me that I fell? <laughs> and so, you know, so I just have the motivation there, and my daughter still doesn't really know what's going on. But, yeah, you know, becoming a father, you know, just changes, you know, your your mindset on, you know, what's really important. Yeah. And mm. to me now what's important is to to be there for my family, be there for my kids, make my kids proud of their dad. Um, you know, just this is kind of off topic, but, you know, I used to ride – you know, sport bikes, motorcycles. Yep. And after my kids were born, you know, my wife and I, we were like, we should probably get rid of those. Yeah. You know, it just yeah. changes your perspective. It's it like, does. I want to be there for them. It's crazy. It It's instantaneous. And it's, you tell people that, that aren't parents, the, what's the biggest change? And it's like, you don't look at, you no longer look at life at what's best for me. You look at it as like, what's best for my kids. And in that situation of the sport bikes, it's like, oh, maybe I should get rid of that because you don't want anything to happen. Because I want to be there for them, and I want to see them grow up, and I want to help them. But it's, man, it's just, it's instant. Like, the moment you're holding them, you're just like, all right, whatever I need to do to help you, that's it. That's yeah. all I'm going to do. You, so you, tra- you transition from dude to dad immediately. Dude as soon to as, dad, yep. As soon as that hits, <laughs> like, that, that skin-to-skin contact, you hold your kid oh. for the first time, your perspe- you're just, just your universe changes. So there was something that my father-in-law told me right when my son was born. You know, my, my son was really, really hard. He wa- he wasn't sleeping. He wasn't eating. He's four years old. He's still a pain. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I was talking to my father-in-law one day, and he goes, you just need to remember this one thing. Your son is crying. He's hungry. He's tired. And there isn't another 
thing on this planet or in the universe that can soothe him, make him feel better, except for you and your wife. Right. You're all he has. So when you start to get frustrated, understand that you're you're it. He's looking to you for comfort. Right. And so that kind of changed my perspective. I was like, wow, I'm I'm it for him. Me yep. and my wife are it for this little yep. guy right here. Yep. We're the only ones that can make it better for him. And it was such a like an eye-opening moment. I was like, the light bulb went off, and it really, you know, because I, I get frustrated easily when the kids are like screaming and crying and drawing sure. on the walls sure. and just yeah. I get you. And I have to, <laughs> I have to step back and remind myself. I have to step back and remind myself. Yeah. I'm all these kids have until right. they grow up. Yep. So I have to, I've got to be there for them when they're hurting. I've got to be there for them when things are great, when they're happy. I've got to be there for them to discipline them when yep. they need it. I am my wife and I. We're it. Yep. So I, I guess to to kind of wrap up because we're, we're hitting that point, would you say that that's the best fatherly advice you've been given, or is there something else that sticks out as as a bigger piece of of that kind of quote unquote fatherly advice that you've gotten in your life? I'd say that's probably that's probably it. That's the one that really I remind myself of that all the time, yeah. and because it's as us parents know, it's so easy to just like throw in the towel and be like, I'm done today. Yeah. Like I'm taking the day off as a parent. Right. Like, can I <laughs> bring in the bourbon? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. So you just have to <laughs> just take a step back and yeah. look at your kids and remember that they're, they're amazing little, little creatures and we got to love them and, yeah. and do the best we can to make them turn into great human beings that give back to the world. That's right. That's it's a great, there you go. That's awesome. a great, great spot to end it on. Yeah, yeah. right on. So, uh, guys, we'll be back uh, with America's favorite segment, Dad Joke. Of course. back for America's favorite segment, Dad Joke of the Week. That's uh, right. It's pretty self-explanatory, and if you've ever heard our show before, you probably understand it, but this is the part of the show where, uh, for this week, we share a dad joke. Except for this week, there are dad jokes. This is right. Yeah, it's plural. Yes. It's plural. Who who wants to go first? Yeah, I got one. There you you want to go I'll first? Right. I'll let you go first. Okay, this is a great Age joke. Age before beauty. Okay. No. <laughs> Why was the bicycle so slow? I don't know. Why? Why? Because it was too tired. Ah, too tired. There you go. Too tired. Tired. Too tired. I like it. I like it. Nice. Uh, So I got mine's a little bit of a journey. It's a little bit of a story. So stick with me. (laughs) So uh, British citizens are a little incensed with the latest money-making scheme to offset the lost revenue from Brexit. Now, if you receive a commendation from the Queen, like knighthood or an OBE, you have to pay a fee up front. They're calling it a surcharge. A surcharge. Oh man, that's for my friend Devin Pike. Charge. I'm nice. too tired for that Here's one. Uh, ah. You know who just became ah. a knight? Who? <laughs> Sir Ringo Starr. Sir Richard Starkey, drummer of the Beatles. Well, yeah, finally got his knighthood. Wait, that's his real name? Surcharge. Richard Starkey. Yeah. <laughs> I never knew that. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. Ringo Starr's a much the more cooler you know. name. <laughs> what are we? Are we ABC? We're Guys, ABC because was that yeah, was, in, wait, was NBC the more you know? NBC is the more you isn't it? Or is it ABC? Is that the one that has no, the star that NBC. shoots across? It's, it's NBC. All right, well, me. I don't know. All right. Anyways, it's guys. NBC. Anyways, uh, we're at that point of our, our show that we get to at the end of every episode where we play the hashtag game. Yes. 
This is where Joe shares with us a list of hashtags inspired by things that were said during this episode, and we all vote on what should be the official hashtag for this episode. So, Joe, what are this week's contenders? Uh, so I've got hashtag pushdown game, hashtag that's Usain, and <laughs> hashtag bring in the bourbon. Oh, man. I'm going to go hashtag bring in the bourbon because I, I don't know. I can't in my right mind vote up. I mean, Usain. I'm a fan of bourbon, but the Usain, that's Usain is the one I'm going to vote for. Oh, Jonathan, I think what bothers me the most is that Joe said that and then created his own hashtag list. about it. <laughs> <laughs> it made the list because he thought it was so funny. I was, yes, I was like, well done. Well done. <laughs> So <laughs> I gotta vote for it because it made me laugh. I'm bothered by it, but I'm gonna vote for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. that's it. So I'm, I'm guessing going, you're gonna vote for yourself. Hashtag that's you saying. That's, that's you saying. that is that's my vote. You <laughs> that is you saying, everybody. You are all traitorous dogs. <laughs> Talk about a dad joke. All right, Jonathan. Where can people reach you or follow you? All different kinds you. of social. Or stalk you. Yeah. Yes. You could stalk me on all types of social social media. So Instagram, <laughs> I'm jhorton11. And on Twitter, J underscore Horton 11. And then I'm also on Facebook. You can follow my fan page. And if you're super lucky, I'll accept you on my personal page. Super lucky. Yeah, awesome, super lucky. Awesome. We are not super uh, lucky. No. Yeah, yeah, no. We're all going to try to friend you after this. <laughs> He's and like, no. Yeah, you, hey, you guys already tried and I already declined. That's awesome. <laughs> That's right awesome. now. Friend us. Friend us. <laughs> no problem. We'll just follow the page. Oh, then. also uh, JonathanHorton.net. Yes. That's my website. Okay. Oh, nice. Yes. nice. And okay. info at JonathanHorton.net, right? If you have booking. No, requi- so oh. info. Dot Jonathan Horton at gmail.com is my email okay. if you want to get a hold of me for any kind of booking or an right, sure. anything like that. But my website is jonathanhorton.net. Okay, cool, awesome. We're and gonna have to find that other Twitter user that has the un- that doesn't have the underscore and a you know crowbar. That yeah, seriously. <laughs> All right, we're coming for you. And you can get super cool T-shirts. Something. He's got a shirt on right now. It's yep. him on a warped wall flexing his biceps, but it's in the shape of a J and an H because Jonathan Horton. That's right. That's right. That's so right. those awesome. the shirts will be available probably in the next month or so on my website. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us for these two episodes. It's been really awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Cool, and, of course, cool. you can follow us on all social media at Detox Podcast, DTA. D-T-A-L-K-S podcast. Yeah, we're all from Texas, so when we say detox detox. podcast, it sounds like we're going to talk about drinking lemon (laughs) and water with pepper in it or something. Yeah, we're detoxing our systems. Or you you can go to detoxpodcast.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or more importantly, VocalNow, V-O-K-A-L-Now.com. Be sure to check out the other podcasts and radio shows on that website. And, guys, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. If you are a dad that has a story that deserves to be told or you know of another dad who needs to have their story told, make sure to contact us because we would love to talk to you. That's right. Uh, And until next time, hashtag that's Usain (laughs) and hashtag be a better dad. Special thanks to John and Eddie for supporting the podcast. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit VocalNow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-Now.com.